Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. How are you all doing? Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihi al-kareem. Amma ba'd fa'a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan al-rajim. Bismillahi rahman rahim Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma ahdi qalbi wa saddid lisani waslul sakhimata qalbi. Amin ya rabbil alameen. Inshallah, we'll begin from Bab number 72 of Kitabul Janais. The book of funerals, Bab number 72. Bab al-salati ala shaheed. Bab al-salati ala shaheed. Praying over the shaheed, the martyr. The book is about funerals. So the question over here is, that is the funeral prayer supposed to be performed for a martyr? Because... We see in some ahadith that the Prophet ﷺ did not perform the funeral prayer for the martyrs. He performed it for others, but not for the martyrs. And there is some difference of opinion amongst the scholars. Some scholars said that no, for the martyrs, you don't perform salatul janazah. And others said that you do perform salatul janazah. Inshallah, we will look at the proofs on both sides and we will see what the sunnah is. First of all, the question is that who exactly is a shaheed? Who exactly is a martyr? Do you know? Yes? Someone who dies while fighting in the way of Allah. But is this the only definition of shaheed? Did the Prophet ﷺ call some other people shuhada also? Like who? Shaheed in the sense of a martyr. Not witness, but martyr. Someone who dies by burning or drowning. Or, for example, a woman dying in childbirth. So there are some kinds of deaths which the Prophet ﷺ defined or described as shahada also. So remember that there are three types of shaheed. When we look at the sunnah, we learn about three types of shaheed. And it's very important for us to know about this. First of all, there is the shaheed of shahidu ma'raka, which is someone who dies in a battlefield. Meaning someone who dies while fighting in the way of Allah and such a person is called shaheed. And we learn about this type of shaheed, that he is buried as he is. We learned earlier in Kitab al-Jana'is that there is no ghusl for him. You don't bathe him. There is no special kafan for him. You bury him in the clothes that he is in. And we also learn from other ahadith that there is no salatul janaza either. This person is buried in his blood and his wounds, in the clothes he is wearing. This type of shaheed. The second type of shaheed is shahidu qatalu dhulm. Meaning someone who is killed unfairly. Someone who is killed unfairly. So for example, a person defending his property. A person defending his family. Then from hadith we learn that such a person is also a martyr. And the proof of this is a hadith in Muslim in which we learn that a man asked the Prophet ﷺ that what if someone came to me asking for my property, meaning to take it by force, what should I do? The Prophet ﷺ said, don't give him. Somebody's trying to snatch it from you, take it away from you by force, don't give him. So the man said, what if he fights me? The Prophet ﷺ said, fight him back. Resist. The man asked, what if he kills me? The Prophet ﷺ said, then you would be a martyr. 
And in another hadith also we learn that whoever fights to protect his rights and dies in that process is a martyr. Someone who dies while defending his rights, while fighting for his rights, demanding his rights. All right, he's killed in that process. Then this person would also be a martyr. But remember that this type of a martyr is slightly different in the sense that there is ghusl for him. All right, there is kafan for him. And there is salah for him. Just like the rest of the deceased. The third type of shaheed is the one who dies because of a certain disease. Which disease? The disease that has been specified by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Okay? So for example, in a hadith we learn, the person who dies in a plague, who dies of some stomach ailment, one who dies by drowning, one who dies under a collapsed building, one who dies in a fire, a woman who dies during childbirth, and the list is actually quite long. These are just a few examples that I've mentioned over here. So these people are also called shuhada, but again, remember that they're a different type of shaheed in the sense that there is ghusl, there is kafan, and there is salah. So if you think about it then, you could actually put the shuhada into two categories. Which two categories? The first category of those shuhada which are recognized as shuhada in this world and in the next life and in the next world. Right? So what does it mean? That in this world also, you have to treat them differently. How do you treat them differently? There is no ghusl, there is no kafan, and there is no salah, salatul janazah. And which type of shaheed is this? The first one that I mentioned. The one who dies while fighting in the way of Allah. And the second category is of those shuhada, which are shuhada in the hereafter. Right? That are shuhada in the hereafter. Meaning they will be honored and they will be rewarded by Allah. Alright? They'll be given a special status because of the way that they died. Because of the, the suffering that they experienced in this life. Because that suffering was a means of forgiveness of sins. Understand? So they're not recognized as shuhada in this world. They're recognized as shuhada in the next world, in the hereafter. So remember that when it comes to shaheed, in this bab, Imam Bukhari is talking about the first type of shaheed. Being the one who dies while fighting in the way of Allah. So the question is over here, that is there salah for him, meaning salatul janazah for him? Let's find out. حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بْنُ يُوسُفُ حَدَّثَنَا اللَّيْسِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا ابْنُ شِهَابٍ عَنْ عَبْدِ الرَّحْمَنِ بْنِ كَعْبِ بْنِ مَالِكٍ عَنْ جَابِرِ بْنِ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا Do you notice something here? The hadith is being reported by which companion? Jabir ibn Abdullah. I want you to start noticing the names of the companions. Alright? Who narrated the hadith. قَالَ كَانَ نَبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ He said to the Prophet يَجْمَعُ بَيْنَ الرَّجُلَيْنِ He would put together two men مِنْ قَتْلَ أُحُدٍ of those who were killed in Uhud فِي ثَوْبٍ وَاحِدٍ in one garment, meaning those who were killed 
in Uhud, in one garment, he would join, meaning while they were wearing only one garment, he would join them together, sometimes two men together, when burying them. Why? How many people were martyred? Seventy. Now can you imagine those who survived the battle were also not that many. They were wounded. They were injured. And now if you have to dig 70 graves with 70 lahd, that's a lot of work. Isn't it so? So instead of digging individual graves for each person, what the Prophet ﷺ did is that he buried two people in one grave. Right? He buried two people in one grave. But before burying them, he would ask, ثُمَّ يَقُولُ He would say, أَيُّهُمْ أَكْثَرُ أَخْذًا لِلْقُرْآنِ Which of them was more in taking the Qur'an? Meaning, which of them had more Qur'an in his heart? The two that he was going to bury together, he would ask first that which of them knew more Qur'an? فَإِذَا أُشِيرَ لَهُ إِلَىٰ أَحَدِهِمَا then when it was pointed to him that this person learned more Qur'an, this person knew more Qur'an, قَدَّمَهُ فِي اللَّحْدِ He would put him first in the niche of the grave. And then he would put the person who knew lesser Qur'an. وَقَالَ And he said at that time, أَنَا شَهِيدٌ عَلَى هَؤُلَاءِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ I will be a shaheed a witness for them over these people on the day of judgment. And he instructed that they be buried in their blood. They were not bathed. And they were not prayed upon either. So what do we see in this hadith? That it's very clearly mentioned that the people who died at Uhud the martyrs of Uhud, Prophet ﷺ did not put a, a special kafan on them. He did not bathe them. There was no ghusl for them. And then he did not pray Salatul Janazah over them. But there are some other benefits that we learn from this hadith. Can you share something with me? What you observed in this hadith or what you learned from this hadith? Yes. Exactly. The superiority of the person who knows the Qur'an, who has learned the Qur'an, who has memorized the Qur'an. So if someone knows even one more surah than you do, their status is greater. If someone has memorized even one more ayah than you, you understand, one more juz than you, then their status is greater. Why? Because on the day of judgment, a person will be told, recite and ascend. Isn't it? Recite the Qur'an and keep going higher and higher in Jannah. And your place will be at the point where you stop reciting. So this is something very important that we learn from this hadith, that the Prophet ﷺ honored people who knew more Qur'an. This is how he distinguished between people. Not based on their money or on their family, but based on what? On their knowledge of the Qur'an. And so here, he put them first into the grave. What else do we learn from this hadith? Anything else you observed? Yeah, it's amazing. 
that one of the amazing things we can learn about the shuhada is that if there's no salatul janazah for them, why is salatul janazah performed for the deceased? You're seeking forgiveness for them. Right? But their death, the way they died, is a means of forgiveness for them, inshaAllah. So it shows us their great honor or their great status that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them. Anything else you notice? Amazing. And in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that وَلَا تَقُولُوا لِمَنْ يُقْتَلُ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ أَمْوَاتًا بَلْ أَحْيَاءٌ Right? That do not say about those who have been killed in the way of Allah that they are dead. No. They're not finished. They're alive. عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ يُرْزَقُونَ They're given sustenance by their Lord. Also we see over here that the Prophet ﷺ said that I will be a witness for them. أَنَا شَهِيدٌ They died they are shuhada. They gave their life in the way of Allah. I will be a witness for them on the day of judgment. What kind of witness? That I will testify that they died fighting in the way of Allah. So in this hadith is very clear that the Prophet ﷺ did not pray salatul janazah when he buried the people of the martyrs of Uhud. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف حدثنا الليث حدثني يزيد بن أبي حبيب عن أبي الخير عن عقبة بن عامر أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم خرج يوما. So here we have hadith being reported by which companion? عقبة ibn عامر. So he reported that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم خرج يوما. He went out one day. فصلى على أهل أحد. And then he prayed for the people of Uhud. صلاته his prayer على الميت. That is for the deceased. ثُمَّنْ صَرَفَ إِلَى الْمِنْبَرِ Then he went towards the mimbar, his podium. فَقَالَ And he said, إِنِّي فَرَطٌ لَكُمْ I will be فَرَط for you. فَرَط is basically someone who goes ahead of you and prepares things for you. وَأَنَا شَهِيدٌ عَلَيْكُمْ And I will be a witness for you. Meaning, I will be there for you from before on the day of judgment, right? And I will testify for you. وَإِنِّي وَاللَّهِ لَأَنظُرُ إِلَى حَوْضِ الْآنِ And by Allah, I can see my hawd even now. So what he meant is that I will be there for you from before. You wouldn't be looking for me on the day of judgment. I will be there. And exactly where will he be? At the hawd, right? At his hawd, hawd kawthar. And he said that I will testify for you. And he said that by Allah, it is as if I can see that hawd right now. And indeed, I was given the keys of the treasures of the earth. And in, in one narration, the keys of the earth or the keys of the treasures of the earth. وَإِنِّي وَاللَّهِ مَا أَخَافُ عَلَيْكُمْ أَن تُشْرِكُوا بَعْدِي And indeed, by Allah, I do not fear that you will associate partners with Allah after I'm gone. وَلَكِنْ أَخَافُ عَلَيْكُمْ أَن تَنَافَسُوا فِيهَا But I fear for you that you will fight one another over them. Over what? Over worldly treasures. Now, what's going on in this hadith? First of all, we see that the Prophet ﷺ one day went out to Uhud. Right? And when he got there, he prayed for the people of Uhud. People of Uhud meaning those who died in the battle of Uhud. He made dua for them. 
So here, the words, فَصَلَّى عَلَىٰ أَهْلِ أُحُدٍ صَلَاتَهُ عَلَىٰ الْمَيِّدِ They have been understood in two ways. Some said that salah over here means salah, meaning salatul janaza. Alright, so the Prophet ﷺ did pray salatul janaza for the people of Uhud. But when did he perform salatul janaza? Way after burying them. A long time after burying them. So based on this understanding, some say that there is salatul janaza for the martyr. You understand? Based on this understanding. However, we can understand this hadith in another way also. Which is that the word salah over here does not mean salatul janaza. Rather salah means dua here. Is the word salah used for dua? Yes, salah primarily means dua. Right? In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He commanded the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that وَصَلِّ عَلَيْهِمْ صَلِّ عَلَيْهِمْ meaning اُدْعُ لَهُمْ Make dua for them. Alright, so the word salah means dua also. So here, when he made salah for the people of Uhud, what is meant is that he made dua for them. And there's numerous reports that tell us that the Prophet ﷺ went to Uhud and he made dua for the people who died at Uhud. Not just once, but many times. We learned that towards the end of his life actually, one night, very quietly, he got up and very quietly, he went out. Why? Because Aisha anha was sleeping. But Aisha anha was not really sleeping. So she was watching him. And when he very quietly went out, Aisha anha also very quietly went out after him. Right? To see where he would go. And the Prophet went all the way here and he made dua for the people of Uhud. And then Aisha radiallahu anha, you know, turned back and ran back basically. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa had a conversation with her about this later. He didn't know, but he said to her that I was wondering what that black thing was. You know, in the dark he could notice something. He saw something. So anyway, this was a habit of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa that he would go and make dua for them. And this is the reason why when people go to Medina, one of the things that they do is that after praying in the masjid, they also go to Uhud. Isn't it? They also go to Uhud and they see the, the graves of the martyrs of Uhud. And the purpose of going there is to follow the Prophet ﷺ here because he went there and the purpose of going there is that you make dua for them. You make dua for the martyrs of Uhud. So he ﷺ did that. So based on this understanding then, what we learn is that there's no salah, salatul janaza. For the shaheed. Here, because salah over here means dua. Now we see something else in this hadith, which is that the Prophet ﷺ went to his mimbar and he addressed the people. Because when you see a grave, and not just one grave, but the graves of many people, what do you remember? Death. What do you remember? The hereafter, the day of judgment. So the Prophet ﷺ spoke to people telling them about the Day of Judgment. And he said, لكم, I will prepare things for you. I will be a witness for you. Meaning I'm not going to abandon you. You will find me on that day. How exactly will he prepare for the people? It, this will begin with what? With the Shafa'atul Kubra. 
that when people will be waiting for a very long time on the Day of Judgment, and the hisab will not begin, they will go to Adam alayhi salam and they will say, you are the father of mankind, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made you with his own hands, and then he put you in Jannah, and then he forgave you, so please request your Lord to begin the judgment. And Adam alayhi salam will say, no, I am scared, because I ate the fruit of the tree, so I am not going to make any request. Go to Nuh alayhi salam. They will go to Nuh alayhi salam. He will also refuse. They will go from prophet to prophet. All of them will refuse until they will ultimately come to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And he will go into sajda. And he will glorify and praise Allah in words that Allah will inspire him with at that time. And then he will intercede. And so what will happen? The judgment will begin. So you see how things he will prepare for us. And then he said, وَأَنَا شَهِيدٌ عَلَيْكُمْ I will be a witness for you. I will testify for you. And this is of course regarding the deeds that he witnessed or the people that he, he knew about. وَإِنِّي وَاللَّهِ لَأَنظُرُ إِلَى حَوْضِ الْآنِ He spoke about the certainty of the حَوْض, the حَوْض كَوْثَر. He said, I see it now. It was shown to him. How was it shown to him? Well, that shouldn't be very difficult for us to understand because we can see things on our hands, on our palms basically, right? The phones on our hands. We can see things that are happening across the world. So he was shown the hawd. And over there also the Prophet ﷺ will be waiting for his ummah at the hawd. And as they will come to him, he will give them water to drink. And that is such water that once a person will drink it, he will never be thirsty again. And so when a person will drink in Jannah, he will drink only for pleasure. You understand? Sometimes you drink for what? Out of thirst or out of necessity. You just need to drink your chai or your coffee or whatever it is. Isn't it? Or you're thirsty. You need to drink that water. You're cold. You need to drink that warm drink. You're sick. You need to drink that soup. Isn't it? But in Jannah, people will drink out of pure pleasure. Not because they need to drink, but because it's fun. For enjoyment, for pleasure. And you know how that is. We, we, we experience, you know, brief moments of it in this life because, you know, you could chug down an entire cup of coffee and then you want another one, but then you're like, I, I cannot take anymore. You have to stop yourself because your body cannot handle all of that. So he will be at the hawd waiting for his ummah and he will give water to them to drink. However, some people as they will come to him, they will not be allowed to drink water from the hawd. And the Prophet ﷺ will try to defend them, but he will be told that no, you don't know about what these people did after you, what kind of things they invented in their religion after you. They changed their religion. And then he said, And what this means is that I will be given the treasures of this world, meaning the treasures of this world will be given to my ummah. And what is meant by this is future victories or success that the Muslim ummah will be given. And it so happened that yes, many lands were conquered and great and a lot of treasure was brought into the Muslim ummah. And the Prophet ﷺ said that I do not fear that you will do shirk after me. But I fear that you will fight one another over this dunya, over the worldly treasures. And the Prophet ﷺ was true. 
He was right in the sphere. Because we see that while there are many people who worship only Allah, right? when it comes to their belief, yes, it's good. But when it comes to their actions, when it comes to their greed and love for this world, then many of us are failing over there. And you see tanafus. What is tanafus? This is not just competition, but also fighting over it. If you think about it, how much we fight over money, how much we fight over power, and what happens to our akhlaq, our manners, when it comes to money. I mean, recently, you all may know what happened in some part of the world where a certain chocolate spread was being sold for very little money, and people were fighting like they were animals. Literally, that's the description that was given. People were fighting like animals over a chocolate spread that is being sold for very little money. But we see that even, you know, when we are looking for things when we're shopping or when there's time for distribution of inheritance or money matters, you know, being paid for some work, it's there that, that we fail. Money becomes our goal. And our relationships are compromised. Blood relationships are sometimes compromised. People are abused. They're deprived of their rights. What happens to people's akhlaq, the way they speak, the way they fight, the way they humiliate one another, the way they insult one another? I mean, the worst of us comes out when it comes to money. And the Prophet ﷺ was truthful in this regard. وَلَكِنْ أَخَافُ عَلَيْكُمْ أَنْ تَنَافَسُوا فِيهَا And if you think about it, at a very small level, meaning within families, at workplaces, and then even when it comes to different nations, at a political level, we see that a lot of the problems in the world today exist because of what? Money. People are mistreated because of money. People are abused because of money. People are killed because of money. وَلَكِنْ أَخَافُ عَلَيْكُمْ أَنْ تَنَافَسُوا فِيهَا So this is something that we should also worry for ourselves. That is money becoming my goal? Is power, worldly power becoming my goal? Why am I doing what I'm doing? You see, fighting over money right, is one thing. And shirk is one thing. The Prophet ﷺ did not fear that his people would do shirk. He feared that they would fall in another evil. And what is that evil? Fighting over money. This is also an evil. So in this hadith, what do we see? That the Prophet ﷺ prayed for the shuhada. And this prayer can be understood as salatul janazah. If it's understood as salatul janazah, then what we understand is that he performed it after burying them. Right? And then secondly, if we understand prayer as dua, then there is no confusion over here. So when you put all of the hadiths together, what you understand is that for the shaheed, there is no salatul janazah. Here? Next. Bab dafni rajulaini wa thalathati fi qabrin wahidin. Dafni rajulaini, burying two men, wa and three men, fi qabrin wahidin in the same grave. Is that allowed? Yes, it is allowed. And even janazah of multiple people can be performed at once. 
which is why if you've prayed in the haramain, then usually after the salah, they make an announcement, right? That there is salat for mayit, right? Mayit means one deceased person, or they will say the plural, amwat, that means there is multiple people, or they will say woman, or they will say child, or children. So this means that one prayer can be performed for multiple deceased. And also, multiple people can be buried in a single grave. حدثنا سعيد بن سليمان حدثنا الليث حدثنا ابن شهاب عن عبد الرحمن بن كعب أن جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنهما Again you see which name? جابر بن عبد الله أخبره أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يجمع بين الرجلين من قتل أحد The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would bury together two of those killed in the battle of Uhud. So he would bury them together, two people in one grave. And sometimes this is a necessity. You know, if there's like a natural disaster or a lot of people have died at the same time because of some disease, then, you know, it's an emergency situation and so many graves cannot be dug at the same time. So it's almost a necessity to bury two, two or more people in one grave. And this is something permissible. Someone thinking that people killed fighting in the way of Allah should not be washed. The shuhada should not be washed. So first, it was established that there is no salatul janazah for them. Right? What about ghusl? Are they supposed to be bathed? We learn in Kitab al-Jana is that when a person dies, then their body should be bathed, it should be washed, and it should be shrouded. It should be covered in a certain way. There's a certain method of washing the body and there's a certain method of, of shrouding the body. And I'm not going to repeat the, the method over here. However, what we learn from this is that the martyrs, and this is the first type of martyr, their ghusl is not to be done. حدثنا عبد الوليد حدثنا ليث عن ابن شهاب عن عبد الرحمن بن كعب عن جابر قال قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that ادفنوهم في دمائهم bury them in their blood يعني يوم أحد meaning on the day of أحد ولم يغسلهم and he did not bathe them So why should a shaheed be buried as he is without his body being washed and without him being especially shrouded, why should it be buried just like that? What's the reason? What do you think? Very true. We learn from other texts that a person will come on the Day of Judgment in the same manner that he died in. He will be resurrected in that same manner. And so the shaheed will come on that day with the wounds and musk, a certain type of fragrance, will be flowing from the wounds. Just as blood was flowing in this world, musk will be flowing from his wounds on the Day of Judgment. Right. So this is one benefit. Any other benefit? Any worldly benefit for not washing the, the martyr? Yeah, very true. Good point. That when it comes to people dying in a battle, then we expect that there isn't just going to be one or two people. There's going to be more than just one or two people. So again, when there's so many people who have been killed at the same time, then it would be very difficult to wash all of them and shroud all of them, right? Any other benefit? Exactly. That if the body is covered in wounds, then, you know, if you start washing the body, the wounds may keep 
flowing, meaning the blood may keep flowing. Washing the body may even damage the body even more. Isn't it so? It may damage the body even more, and so it could create more problems. The body may be in a very bad condition in the sense that, you know, parts of the body may be cut off. So it would be kind of, in a way, invasive, if you think about it, to undress the body and wash it and then shroud it again. It would be too difficult of a job. So this is specifically about the shuhada. But if a person does die in, in a condition like, for example, you mentioned accident and the body is severely wounded, then, of course, the washing should be done as much as possible. However, if the washing is going to cause further problems, then even tayammum is permissible. Bab may yuqaddamu fillahdi. Who should be put first in the lahd? What's the lahd? Lahd is the niche in the grave. We learned that there are two types of graves, Islamically speaking. One type of grave is basically a hole in the ground. So basically it just goes straight down. The body is placed at the bottom and then it is covered. But there is another way which is the preferred way which is the way of the lahd. Lahd is an L-shaped grave which is that you dig all the way down and then you go sideways. You make a niche underground. And in that niche you place the body and then you cover the side right, with boards or something like that. And then you put mud on top. You, you fill that hole with the mud. But basically what's happening is that the mud is not being poured directly on top of the body. So this is more respectful and this is the preferred way. So when two or more people are being buried in the same grave, who should be put first in the grave? Imam Bukhari explains further over here that وَسُمِّيَ اللَّحْدَ لِأَنَّهُ فِي نَاحِيَةٍ and it is called Allahd. It's given the name Allahd because it is in a nahiyah. Nahiyah, one side. Meaning, you're digging and then you go onto one side. This is why it's called Allahd. وَكُلُّ جَائِرٍ And every jair, jair is a tyrant person, is called a mulhid. So same root, lam hadal, mulhid, is who? Jair. A deviant person. Because who's a deviant person? Instead of going straight in his actions, he goes, Sideways. Right? And then he brings a word from the Quran, Multahada, which is in Surah Al-Kahf, and he gives the explanation that it is Ma'dilan, a place to which one can turn. You will not find anyone other than him to turn to. And if the grave was Mustaqim, straight, then Kana Barihan, then it would be called a Barih. So the two types of graves are what? Lahd and Barih. Lahd is the niche. Alright? And Barih is what? Mustaqim. Meaning that that would just go straight down. It doesn't go sideways. So Lahd is the L-shaped and Barih is the straight one. Clear? حدثنا ابن مقاتل أخبرنا عبد الله أخبرنا ليث بن سعد حدثنا ابن شهاب عن عبد الرحمن بن كعب بن مالك عن جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يجمع بين الرجلين من قتل أحد في ثوب واحد. It's the same hadith that Jabir reported that Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would join together two men of the martyrs of Uhud 
And then, سُمَيَقُولُ أَيُّهُمْ أَكْثَرُ أَخْذًا لِلْقُرْآنِ He would ask that which of them knew more Qur'an, فَإِذَا أُشِيرَ لَهُ إِلَىٰ أَحَدِهِمَا قَدَّمَهُ فِي اللَّحْدِ Then when it was pointed to him that it is this one, then he would put him first in the niche. وَقَالَ أَنَا شَهِيدٌ عَلَىٰ هَؤُلَىٰ And he said that I will be a witness over these people, وَأَمَرَ بِدَفْنِهِمْ بِدِمَائِهِمْ He instructed that they be buried. With their blood. وَلَمْ يُصَلِّ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَمْ يُغَسِّلْهُمْ He did not pray over them and he did not wash them. وَأَخْبَرُنَا الْأَوْزَاعِيُّ عَنِ الزُّهْرِيِّ عَنْ جَابِرِ بْنِ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ رضي الله عنهما كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول لقتل أحد جابر بن عبد الله reported that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would say about the martyrs of Uhud, about those killed at Uhud, أيها أولاء أكثر أخذا للقرآن, which of these had more Qur'an, فَإِذَا أُشِيرَ لَهُ إِلَى رَجُلٍ قَدَّمَهُ فِي اللَّحْدِ قَبْلَ صَاحِبِهِ When a man was pointed out to him, he put him in the grave before his companion. وَقَالَ جَابِرٌ فَكُفِّنَ أَبِي وَعَمِّي فِي نَمِرَةٍ وَاحِدَةٍ Jabir said that my father and my uncle were shrouded in a single cloak. So we see that can be understood in a number of ways because we learned in the earlier hadith also the same description. One interpretation is that they died in a single garment, meaning because they had only one garment. So they were covered in that same garment, which is why some companions, when they were covered with that garment, and their face was covered, their feet would show. And when their feet would be covered, their head would show. So ultimately, their face and head was covered, and the feet were covered with grass. And the other interpretation is that, literally, they were wrapped in one garment. What does that mean? That because some people, their clothing was so limited, and it was so short, that it wasn't possible to bury them in only that cloth. So an additional cloth was taken to bury them in. And so each person was shrouded with his own clothes, but then an additional cloth was taken, a bigger cloth was taken, two people were put in it, wrapped together in it, and then put in the grave. So we see here that the father and uncle of Jabir radiallahu anhu were both shrouded in a single cloak. وَقَالَ سُلَيْمَانُ بْنُ كَثِيرٍ حَدَّثْنِ الزُّهْرِيُّ حَدَّثْنَا مَنْ سَمِعَ جَابِرًا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ So there's another isnad from Jabir رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ Then we have some more hadith about burial, which inshallah we will continue in our next class. So I have some homework for you very quickly. First of all, I want you to find out five benefits of sending salat on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Five benefits of sending salat on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inshallah we'll conclude here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.